This is the SF Signal Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Patrick Hester, and I'm an author, a blogger, and an all-around functional nerd. And I always forget to say this is the Hugo Award-winning SF Signal Podcast, but if I don't say that, John doesn't give me my bagel, so there I added it. Today, I am talking with three folks who have books out, and they all also happen to be associated with Wordfire Press. Let's go down the list and say hello to folks. Uh, first off, Josh. Hi, Josh. Hello, Patrick. How are you? How's it going? Good. I'm doing well. Yeah? Got any yeah, goodies from me from Pathfinder? Uh, if you come out and take the tour, I you can know what? probably get you You know some what? Sutter, Sutter is so much better to me. <laughs> hey, don't Pathfinder shame me. <laughs> anyway, I'm talking to Josh Vogt. Yeah, Josh Vogt here. Uh, <laughs> author and editor. I just moved out to Seattle to be a full-time editor for Paizo, uh, which publishes the the Pathfinder role-playing game. I am the author of Forge of Ashes, which is a Pathfinder Tales novel, as well as uh, the Clear series, which is through Wordfire Press, and that's uh, including Enter the Janitor and the upcoming The Maze of Wrath. And 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 the the what's the the Pathfinder Society? Yes, I, I don't have much interaction with that. Right, so. but isn't there something where like if you own the Forge of Ashes, you get some special spiff? Oh yes, if you are a Pathfinder Society player, uh, if you own Forge of Ashes in any format. Audiobook, ebook, whatever. Show that to your GM. You can get a boon in your in your game as the subterranean slayer. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that is. That's very cool. And and now Tor is publishing the the Pathfinder Tales books, the yes. novels, like the the stuff that you write. Yes, they are. That's awesome. Yeah, Tor Tor and and Paizo have collaborated, and they are publishing everything moving forward. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> Uh, second up is an old friend. We were hanging out at Capricorn, and she was showing me all these really cool pictures that she has of all the former doctors and their companions and all this kind of stuff. And so I'm hoping that she's coming on the podcast to tell me that she's printed all those in a book and is going to send it to me. <laughs> well, is that, is that why you're here, Jody? I'm holding it out as a possible <laughs> benefit. <laughs> Jody Lynn Nye. Thank you. Hi there. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? I am I am excellently well. Yeah? You've been traveling a lot. Oh, yes. Quite a bit. Quite a bit. And you've written a couple books. Uh, here and there. Um, a little more than a third as many as that guy in Colorado Springs that we've... Uh, <laughs> I can always tell you know, approximately how many he's turned out by counting mine and multiplying by three. <laughs> <laughs> It's been that way for a long time, as a matter of fact. And, of course, we're talking about Kevin J. Anderson. Yes. And he yes. and Rebecca, his wife, founded Wordfire Press. That is correct. And you've got some stuff. Now, you, you've got Rhythm of the Imperium out, right? That's right. That's the third in my Lord Thomas Canago series from Bain Books. And they have amazing, wonderful covers. Uh, yeah. The current one by Don Mates, uh, the fellow who does the Captain Morgan rum ads, and has a marvelous, marvelous sense of humor. They are, if you would call it Jeeves and Wooster in space. <laughs> that uh, Lord Lord Thomas is is the feckless, goofy uh, <clears throat> about the universe, and Parsons, Commander Parsons, is the sensible, extremely competent person who keeps him from getting in real trouble. 
although Lord Thomas always wants to do, do things his own way. The, uh, the titles of each of the books has to do with Lord Thomas's hobby of the moment. Uh, the first one was called View from the Imperium, and his hobby then was photography. And the second one was Fortunes of the Imperium, which involved superstitions, although he didn't really believe in them, but he was having fun with the trappings of them and how they affected other people. And the third one, Rhythm of the Imperium, is about, yes, of course, you guessed it, interpretive dance. <laughs> that cover is awesome. I've, uh, I've got coming up uh, around 12 or 13 books that uh, have come out or will be coming out through Wordfire Press. Um, the latest ones that are currently being set up are my uh, the books from my Taylor's Ark series about a young doctor in space and her merchant husband and her very interesting menagerie. So I'm looking forward to seeing those come out. And and, uh, and, and, and are these are these new books or are these books that you got the rights no, back are, to? These are reprints. Okay. Uh, Kevin, Kevin has bought a lot of my backlist in, in the same way that he has done with many people. Mm-hmm. And I'm very, very proud of having them out with Wordfire. They're treating me very well. And I'm really looking forward to it because people keep asking me, why aren't these still in print? <laughs> well, there's some questions about how, how traditional publishing keeps keeps books mm-hmm. in print or does not. And we can talk about that in a minute. We could, yes, we could talk we a little bit talk. about like, your decision and why you went with Wordfire. Right. But, uh, yeah. And coming up, not from Wordfire, uh, but from Ace Books, the next in the Myth Adventure series, which Robert Aspen began, mm-hmm. he and I wrote together, and now I have ri- written by myself since his passing. It's called Myth Fits, and it arrives in June. Very awesome. And my third guest tonight, I, I, I kind of want to roll my R and say, like, <laughs> Ramon. <laughs> That's fine. I don't roll it. But, no. Ramon, tell it's people all, who you all, are. All. Tell people who you are and what you do. As you said, I'm uh, Ramon Terrell. I'm originally from Carson, California, which is a suburb of Los Angeles. And I currently live in Vancouver, B.C., I am an author as well as an actor. And, Why uh, you live in Vancouver? You know, it's funny because I stumbled into the industry up here. Oh, acting was pretty much the uh, the dream that died. You know, I had really strict parents, especially my dad. He's like, you know, go to school, get a job for twenty five years, retire, and then you can pursue the the, the, the hobby that, that's acting, right? Yeah, the hobby, <laughs> and uh, you know. Just a different age. I tried to do that. It was like a salmon trying to walk on land. It just didn't work for me. <laughs> and yeah, so my wife is like, well, you know, why don't you uh, try and get your feet wet in uh, acting since you're up here? And I'm like, oh, there's an industry up here? And she, she just looks at me like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, you do realize they call it Hollywood North, right? <laughs> they do? So yeah, she just laughs at me. And then, you know, so anyway, started taking classes and uh, hit the ground running. I've appeared in a few things uh, Supernatural, iZombie. Um, I'm one of Robin Hood's Merry Men and Once Upon a Time, uh, The 100. You know, there's, I can't, oh, Arrow. Arrow is another one. Ooh. So some some fun stuff, some fun stuff. So I had are, a, you, are, are you a method actor? Because I'm trying to figure out, you know, what, 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 how do you prepare to be a Leviathan? <laughs> well, in, in this case, there, it wasn't it wasn't super deep. And the reason <laughs> it wasn't super deep because I was basically a cop that got taken over by a Leviathan. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you see you, you see the Leviathan mimicking the, the cop. Gotcha. So, yeah, it was there was there wasn't a whole lot of method. I didn't have to 
you know, go out and like, you know, hunt down an animal and bite it <laughs> anything like that. So, <laughs> fortunately. <laughs> and when did the, when did the, the writing start for you? The writing, uh, oh man. Cause you have, you have several things out. Yeah, I have, uh, I currently have, uh, eight books out. Seven, uh, have been, uh, uh, Kevin Fordfire bought them. And uh, the eighth one, I'm, uh, which is Unleashed, uh, Saga of Ruination, the first book. I've got my sights set on a few, uh, a few different places to find a home for it. Um, I first started writing maybe around 2000, 2001. I wrote my first book, Echoes of a Shattered Age, and I started submitting it. And uh, eventually I... Uh, I decided that I wanted to try self-publishing it, and this was uh, before self-publishing is like it is now. Right. And did that, and then I had some family things that happened, and I didn't write again for years. And then I moved to Vancouver in uh, 2010, and on July se- July 7th, 2010, I started writing again, and that was when I uh, I wrote two more books, which finished off the series, Legend of Takashi Niel. And then I started in my Hunter's Moon paranormal thriller urban fantasy series. So, uh, yeah, I've been uh, writing since then, and it's been a blast, and I'm loving Wordfire Press. It's just been a great opportunity. It's very cool. So, obviously, you're all involved with Wordfire Press, and for the sake of, of being open and honest with everybody, I am also now involved with Wordfire Press. So they, they've bought a book for me. Cool. Uh, so... Yeah, woohoo! Awesome, yay! Uh, but but Josh had reached out and, and wanted to talk about some stuff, so I thought this would be a, a kind of a good forum to, to talk a little bit about the differences in, in between traditional publishing, self publishing, and sort of that that hybrid thing in the middle, which is which is what I feel like Wordfire is doing because they're they're buying debut novels, they're also buying backlist like Jody's, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know Josh has done a little bit of traditional and now the Wordfire model and Jody's done traditional and the Wordfire model. Ramon has done self-publishing and the Wordfire model. And you're also said you're shopping something else around. Yes. So I'm I'm just curious. You know we've kind of got people at different points in their <coughs> career here, and I, I'm just curious about why why someone you know would choose to go this this direction. So I'm going to start with you, Josh. Because I like putting you in the hot seat. <laughs> and and because you and I were in a critique group for a little while and, and I've mm-hmm. I've harassed you for years. <laughs> you you have done a lot of different so you, you, you started publishing I think your first book was the Pathfinder book. Yes. Tech well tech that got published. Yes. Okay. And, you know, obviously that that's turned into something more for you because you, you've gone on to do other things at Pathfinder, which is awesome, and with Paizo, which is just awesome. And I've said before, I'm very proud of you, and I'm, you know, just can't wait to see what you do next. And you had the, the Enter the Janitor and now the Maids of Wrath with Wordfire. Yeah. Have you looked at, like, trying to do, a, like, a big thing with Tor or, you know, are, are you still thinking traditional or is this the model that you're, you're comfortable with? Well, I, I'm very comfortable with it, uh, partly because I spent so much of last year at the events that Wordfire did. I know how much they, they connect with their readers and their fans. That is a big part of it for me. And that was before the giant Tower of Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, taking this job at Pathfinder was a big decision for me because – 
not to steer the conversation away from the topic, but yeah, that was a big part of it because I wouldn't be at every WordFire event and I wouldn't be able to hand sell every event, that sort of thing. So, so uh, before, before you go too far, why don't you, why don't you explain to our listeners what we are talking about here? Uh, because WordFire takes a different approach to, to convention going and to selling physical books. Just a bit. Uh, so WordFire maintains a very big presence at a lot of conventions and Comic-Cons. Um, they have a huge poster stand. They have a huge book island. They, now they've got the Tower of Nerd. Yes, they have the Tower of Nerd. They often have at least four or five authors present at the booth who then interact with the fans and, and that sort of thing. So I would, be, I would have been one of those, and I was one throughout the last year. So and, and Ramon was there too. So, and so I want to I want to kind of contrast this for people. If you've if you've ever gone to a convention, uh, like mm-hmm. a like a World Con or a, a, a literary kind of convention, you have you have different kinds of booksellers, right? You do have some folks who are just basically they've got books piled up and they will sell you books, right? If you if you ask them a question, they'll answer the question. And one of the things that I liked that 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 for me was a huge kind of light going off in my head was at Worldcon in Spokane. I think that was the first Worldcon that Wordfire mm-hmm. had a booth at. Yep. And there was so much energy at that booth. And there were so many people there who were just interested in books and reading. And the people who were working the booth were like, it, it wasn't Josh standing there going, oh, well, what you really like is Enter the Janitor. You know, here's my Enter the Janitor book. Why don't you buy this? He's like, he'd say, Oh, you're looking for something to read? What are you interested in? Oh, you you like hard mm-hmm. sci-fi? There happens to be you know six books over here that are hard SF. Let's take a look at them. And you kind of guided people to the right book. Right, for sure. Uh, and, and, and that is a big part of it. With so many authors, we can, can say, hey, you like horror? Oh, we have horror books. You like urban fantasy? We have urban fantasy books. You like sci-fi? We have those. So You that, like steampunk? You like... Uh, yeah, so so that to me is what is what made me and, and actually Gail Carriger, we talked a little bit about Gail before we started recording. Gail was very excited about it as well because she liked the energy. She liked that people were selling books. So that's yeah. sort of the word fire model, right? You you go out to conventions and you set up this book island and it's got tons of books on there. And Kevin's are there, Jody's are there now, Ramones, Josh, Quincy. <laughs> Dave, you've got all these people with all their books there, and it's just about connecting readers with a new book. Well, that that is the thing that I love the most about it. It's, it's not a zero-sum game. It is we are not competing with each other. Mm-hmm. We are supporting each other, and everyone can say, okay, you like to read this? Okay, we have this. And, yeah, we provide the variety. So... Continue your story. You you went with the Pathfinder job. You knew that that meant that you weren't going to be at as many conventions for WordFire. Well, I won't, and that was part of the sacrifice. I'll I'll be at Emerald City Comic Con where WordFire should be, and that is where the Maids of Wrath will be launching. So yeah, that was just part of the sacrifice. I had to decide whether or not I wanted to have a stable job or go to conventions. Oh, one of those. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all that. It sucks. <laughs> well, and keep in mind, Josh, Josh, was a, Josh was a working writer there for many, many years. Oh, I know. Yeah. He was kicking well, butt. Yeah. 
So. Now that now that that you know I've gotten the Josh Love Fest out of the way, so <laughs> Jody, you you've had a very successful career with traditional publishing, and and what typically happens with traditional publishing is you sign a contract that allows a publisher to print your books for a, a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. Those contracts are changing now as to the definition of what in print means. As oh, an yes. example. But uh, for you, you started getting your back catalog back into – you started you know, getting the rights back. And, yes. And so tell us a little bit about when that was happening, what were you thinking? Well, I, I often hoped to move them to another uh, traditional house because that would be the best exposure, get the most people uh, interested in them. But the number of houses – of what we call legacy publishers is shrinking. We're we're stuck with a a model that, um, because of the cost of doing business, is uh, well, it's diminishing because it has to. It, it sure. the, things are consolidating to survive in the same way that airlines do. So we're seeing fewer and fewer houses uh, going after an increasing number of books because new authors are up and coming, and the rest of us. Uh, Older authors, no. Um, we aren't dying yet, so unfortunately we're still writing. And we're looking for other places to, to put our things. Uh, Mike Resnick, who is one of the hardest working people in the world as far as uh, selling his work goes, as far as writing also, but as far as selling his work, has been looking for all sorts of places to put his, his many, many books and many, many short stories. And I've been I've been watching him go, and you would think that if anybody was established, it was Mike, but... To, to have him say, I'm looking at these new places. I, I'm looking at Wordfire and Arc Manor and all of, all of these up-and-coming small presses that now that it's possible to print, to sell in e-form, to sell in audio form, you can have a career almost entirely outside of the legacy houses. And for people who have a, an extensive backlist, I have a fairly extensive backlist that the myth myth fits when it finally hits will be my 50th title not 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 50th novel not 50th uh, independent book because i'm counting my omnibuses in there too but nevertheless um because of the way legacy publication works and there's only so much room on a book bookstore shelf so when uh, Kevin came to me and said, I am doing this, I am interested in having you come in with me, and here's what we do. And it was, I loved the idea of the cooperative uh, a- approach, because there's nothing that would sink us more quickly than rivalry. We are, the, we are one of the smallest genres in, a, in one of the smallest portions of media. Publishing is is really small, you know. It's it's where where Douglas Adams talks about space being really big. Well, we're we're that little bitty dot in the middle as <laughs> as the universe expands around us. So the best way for us to cooperate and and promote one another, it it's better for the reader. It's better for us because I find that if I can talk to somebody for a while about my books, I can probably gain a reader. But if I really can't convince him that what he really needs out of this life is funny uh, science fiction, I have other people's books. I can say, well, you probably need this. You, you need some really 
really interesting urban fantasy with some really scary vampires like Ramones. <laughs> and, uh, and the many other books, uh, naturally because of Kevin's uh, interests and, and, and connections and uh, with Rush, I can say, well, if, if you're a rock and roll fan, you need to read these. And if you're perhaps a little younger than, than the average Rush fan, you can read uh, Rock Band Saves the World by Dave Butler. Oh, those and, are awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> there's plenty, plenty to uh, offer to people. The, uh, the Tower of Nerd attracts people's attention because it's unlike anything else out there. And you were the yeah. you were the first person I've I've heard actually call it that. I saw actually, that on Facebook. I, uh, I'm I'm the one who put it on Facebook. Uh, Quincy invented the term. I, I'm, I'm, it sounds like something that Quincy would absolutely say. <laughs> and, and I think it sounds perfectly appropriate. But uh, when you when you put that on Facebook, I, I just started chuckling and laughing. Why don't you explain to the listeners what what the Tower of Nerd is? Okay, there is a framework that is twenty feet high in the center that uh, looks almost like a silo, but it is surrounded by uh, posters, uh, made of fabric posters, with the faces of the, the authors and copies of their book covers. And it's a huge, a, appealing, probably mind-blowing display to some people because they'll look up and yeah. say, oh my God, I must go and see what this is all about. Yeah, yeah. We, and if you, as you walk around it, because people were taking different pictures of different sides, like one side uh, on the top, it might say the worlds of Kevin J. Anderson. And then another part says the worlds of Jody Lynn Nye. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, here's Quincy J. Allen and, and so on and so forth. And all the way kind of around, it's really cool. Right. So we had uh, a lot of people coming over and because... We were we were just at the C2E2, the Chicago Consumer Electronics Expo, uh, or actually I believe it's morphed into Entertainment Expo. Mm. Uh, used to be a comic show mostly, but now was that uh, at McCormick Place? Yes, it was. Oh gosh, did you get a did you get a Chicago dog? I can get Chicago dogs anytime. I live here. It was uh, <laughs> it was bad. it was it was hot dogs or really bad pizza. So we, we had our choice. But the nice thing about it is, I got to talk to so many people, uh, to reconnect with some, uh, to have people come up and say, "I am looking for a book for my 15 year old, or for my mother, or for a friend of mine who really is into, you know, fill in your your science fiction." Interest. Did anybody run up in a panic and say they had to write a Kirkus post and they needed comic books now? Nobody came to me about comic books. We okay. don't have any on the table. That happened at Worldcon. I did that to Josh. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but as I said, the nice thing about it is once you get to talking with somebody, then they, they associate you, for better or for worse, with, uh, with the books that were in front of you. Mm-hmm. And it gives an opportunity for people to get to know you. I know authors for whom that may not be the best thing in the world, but, <laughs> but it's also a really good thing for people who, who love your work but may not have ever met you. I Naturally, you don't look like the print on the page, so it's um, I, I put on a badge with my name on it because the uh, Comic-Cons don't, don't have name tags. And I'll have somebody going along the the list uh, the piles of books and say, you yeah, uh, know, this this is this is really good. And then they'll look up and they'll notice that the name matches the ones on the covers, <laughs> and some kids freak out, and uh, that's fun too. So you you sell books, you get to know people, you get a little ego boo, uh, you can also get a little bruised. 
Sure. But, you know, that, that's the difference. But I think it's a, a, a really interesting paradigm of having people associating books with all sorts of conventions where there seldom were. Chicago Comic Con many, many, many years ago had all of seven of us, seven print <laughs> authors, sitting at a little bitty table together in the middle of the foyer in between the artist's alley and the hallway to the program rooms. We had each other. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned you mentioned Resnick, and I remember when you know Resnick when ebooks really hit. He he, and I'm using air quotes here. Got a guy, and mm-hmm. to start just pushing out his his books as ebooks, and he he kept po- posting things like, you know, I've never had a steady paycheck before, until now. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So I can totally see the appeal for someone with a with a huge back catalog. Now, Ramon, uh, you have been an actor, so you're not used to a steady paycheck, and <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> if ever there was an understatement, that would be the one. <laughs> so what what appealed to you? I mean, first you went self pub, right? And you said you did that before, like self pub was cool. Yeah, and and. You know what made you what made you decide to go self pub, and then what made you decide to look at something like a like a an author co op like Wordfire? Well, when I went self pub, um, I'm one. I uh, I was one of the uh, people who I came in kind of like at the edge of right right before the paradigm shift really started to kick in. So I I, I began. Um, submitting to traditional publishers and i always i always say this there's one reason there's one sole reason why echoes of a shattered age exists to this day because it was the first book that i ever wrote and the only reason why that book exists and it's not archived never to be seen is because of all of the rejection letters that i got all of the rejection letters i got for that book were they were personalized rejections saying that mm-hmm. it's obvious you put a lot of work into this book you know for a first time book this is a fantastic effort however we're not taking new authors and you know yada 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 yeah. but after like about you know i think something like 10 10 or 12 or 15 rejection letters like that i'm like okay maybe i actually can publish this and i decided uh you know i'd go ahead and give self publishing a go and I did that with eight books, and then I went to Superstars Writing Seminar, and that's where I met uh-huh. Kevin, you know, others, and they took an interest in my books. And the opportunity, I mean, it was it was it was a no brainer. I mean, as soon as uh, you know they they made an offer to me, and then Kevin spoke to me, and I was like, well, you know, let me go ahead and think about it. Okay, can I contract <laughs> these? You know, I had to think about it for all of about no seconds. And just like what uh, what Josh and Jody were saying, the opportunity is the opportunity that Wordfire presents is something that. I imagine in uh, the years to come will be hard for new authors to be able to appreciate because eventually at some point, you know, if, if these other people are smart, they'll, you know, <laughs> it will become the standard instead of the anomaly. But just the, 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 the idea that goes behind it and the, the strategy that goes behind it, not only do we sell each other's books, but one of the big things about the Wordfire booth is pairing. So what you'll see is you'll see like they'll have a they have guest authors like they'll have uh, like uh, one of my pie in the sky dreams was at Salt Lake City. They had Ari Salvatore. He's my favorite <laughs> author. He's like the guy I imprinted on. Anybody sure. who knows this knows I'm a fanboy. And they placed me right next to him. 
And, you know, because my books paired well with his. And then they would place my uh, Hunter's Moon books next to Josh's Enter the Janitor books, which were also associated with Jim Butcher's Dresden books because they paired well. So the, the, the opportunity that Wordfire presents is actually multi-tiered. It presents a cool opportunity for the veteran authors, you know, such as Jody, because they can bring their books back into print. And, you know, the fans are just loving it because they can get their books again. And then they can have their books back in print again. And they're not just sitting somewhere. It presents an opportunity for newer authors like myself because the stardust sprinkles down. You know, if I'm standing in between Jody and Salvatore and Terry Brooks, their star power is going to sprinkle down onto me and they're going to look and be like, oh, well, what do you have? You know, so a lot of times you'll get people who come up for one book and end up walking out with three or four or five or six. Which is so, awesome. I'm, I'm is all up. about getting people to read more books and buy more books. Oh, yeah. And one of the nice things is to be able for, for me to say, hey, well, OK, maybe maybe you don't want the, the funny urban fantasy, but. Ramon here writes these cool books that you might like, and when an established author of whom they have heard pushing people that uh, may be newer on the scene but are yeah. of it, interest. It lends weight. It lends weight because this is someone yeah. you respect. You you enjoy yeah. their books, and they're telling you, you know, go read this 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 other guy's book about these vampires, and you're like, okay, yeah. yeah. And they're going to scare me? Okay, yeah. <laughs> or I can say, hey, you you like you like my uh urban fantasy, contemporary fantasy, but you've already read mine and you already have them all. How about this this funny thing about a janitor? Right. Or you're you're like, you know what? Oh, you like Doctor Who? Did you know they have <laughs> did you know they have a TARDIS in this book? <laughs> oh darn, it dematerialized. It's not there anymore. <laughs> oh boy. So it sounds like it sounds like it's a it's a huge love fest. Now we've talked about the the the, the fact that it's a it's a co-op and that everybody's kind of working together. And really, I just keep going back to it's it's about connecting a reader with an author. And I, I don't know a hundred percent the story behind Wordfire overall, but I I've read a little bit and and it's 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 like the same it's the same story as Jody and the same story as Mike Resnick. Kevin J. Anderson started getting his books back, right? And he's sitting there going, I want to get these out there and, and you know, get them in the hands of readers again. And to him, the best way to do that was to start Wordfire and kind of start pushing his own books out. And then it worked well enough that he started helping other people too and getting other people's books out there. And now it's just this, it's this huge thing. And I still don't understand how someone can dictate 120 books into a recorder while climbing a mountain. Actually, it's it's great. Um, I I've been known to take a recorder places. It uh, it was a substitute because I when sometimes when I write stories, I go for a drive in the car, and I took to a voice recorder as opposed to getting into traffic accidents. So I can completely <laughs> understand why Kevin started dictating. I, um, well, I make jokes about it, but I I actually did try that when I was living in yeah. in Tennessee. I used to have to drive from. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Knoxville to Memphis. That's essentially the width of the state. So you're having oh, to drive right. from one side to the other side. It's like a six to eight hour drive, depending on traffic and weather and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was I was getting back and running at the time, and I thought, oh, I'll I know what I'll do. I, I, instead of just wasting all this time, I'll take a recorder mm-hmm. and I'll I'll record myself, and then I'll transcribe. 
and it never failed. I would turn that recorder on and you would just hear the sound of the tires for like 20 minutes because nothing would come out and then I would turn the radio on. <laughs> it, it takes a little getting used to. Uh, Dave Dave Weber dictates his books too. He has uh, very bad wrists, so he's he's been doing it for years. Hmm. Yeah, well, I can see doing like like Dragon naturally speaking or something that, mm-hmm. that actually types it out for you. I right. But if I had to if I had to do it while climbing a mountain, it, it, it would be I would be out of breath. It would be horrible. No one would even understand what I was saying. Anyway. So uh, this whole thing started in Colorado Springs, and now they, they go everywhere. You mentioned C2E2, but I think Wordfire was actually at two different conventions this last weekend. That's right. Because they were also in, was it San Jose? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, San Jose. So just out there connecting with people and, and getting people to read books. Ramon, your latest book is coming out. When when is that hit the hit the... The stands, so to speak. I haven't gotten the uh, the official hardline date, but the you said summer. Yeah, we're looking at probably late June, early July. I don't have an exact date uh, yet. They haven't given it to me, but and that's Hunter's <laughs> Moon. Yes. yes okay. Moon. And why don't you tell us a little bit about the world? It takes place in uh, Vancouver, BC. No. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> And this series is actually you're, you're just trying to you're just trying to get this made into a TV show there, aren't you? Oh, it's funny you say that. <laughs> Starring a, a, a handsome young man. Uh, uh, Jody, you think I'm handsome? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say, but <laughs> I'll be giving you a call, Patrick. Oh, cool. <laughs> well, that uh, you know that that uh, thank you, Jody. <laughs> that. Uh, that that would be nice. That is something that I would like. It just depends on what uh, those with money uh, have to say about me being the lead. Considering I don't have like a resume that's the length of uh, Texas is wide. So, um, but no, nevertheless, uh, the Hunter's Moon World is actually kind of funny. A funny thing because when. Before I started it, the idea popped into my head, and vampires were at, at their height because, you know, everything ebbs and flows. I mean, everything, you know, comes in and it goes out. Oh, yeah. And vampires were just rocking it. And I'm like, okay, I'm not writing another vampire story. I'm not <laughs> doing it. You know, there, there's millions of them out there. You know, I'm not going to do it. And then by the time I was about, I was beginning Heroes of a Broken Age, uh, the third book in my Takashi Niel trilogy. The idea started getting stronger and stronger, and by the time I was almost finished with Heroes, it got so strong that it was one of those things where it wouldn't leave me alone. Like, you'd swear I was insane. I'm like, all right, uh-huh. all right. So I started uh, writing Running from the Night and blew right through it. I mean, it was just like – it was like an, it was like a dump. Like, just it just piled on and just came right out. So Running from the Night, I got that done, and then I jumped into Hunter's Moon. But, uh, yeah, basically it takes place in uh, Vancouver, B.C. I wanted to think of a place that would be uh, a place that would be attractive to vampires. And what better place than somewhere where, as it is right now, I'm looking out the window. It's gray and it's raining. <laughs> you get a lot of gray, a lot of rain. Uh, Josh being in Seattle, I'm sure can relate to this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so I thought that would be a, uh, a cool environment. And just so you understand, Ramon, as we're recording this, Denver is being hit by a blizzard. Oh, yeah, you guys get crazy weather in Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure, it'll be like 80 degrees tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, it's uh, 
I, I figured it would be the perfect spot. And then as I started to write it, that was when I was like, you know, this probably is actually a feasible to make into a show, you know, a movie or a show. Sure. And seeing how I have so many friends in the film industry and uh, one guy that is very, very good at script writing. He's a good writer, you know, and he writes scripts. So um, we have been working on that, breaking it into seasons, and then, you know, eventually we'll uh, – you know, try and get it chopped around. And nice. Like that. Yeah. Well, I think the I think the the crew of Lost Girl was looking for a new project. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think they're done. So. <laughs> so, but you you you've written different things. So you're not just doing like the 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 urban fantasy kind of stuff. You've you've done some other stuff too. Oh yeah, um, my uh, my uh, fantasy trilogy, uh, Legend of Takashi Niel, um So it's a fantasy series now, um, and uh, that's there's uh, Echoes of a Shattered Age, which is already published with Wordfire, and then Legends of a Shattered Age uh, is going to be part one and part two, and Heroes of a Broken Age will round it out, and that's a, a also book one and book two, or part one and part two. The reason being is the books are huge. <laughs> they're quite big so we uh just to kind of bring the the cost down to them we broke them up into halves and uh also i have uh saga of ruination which i'm going to start outlining the second book in that series pretty soon that one is kind of like my uh my sprawling epic you know i i'm very hesitant to say like you know wheel of time or <laughs> <laughs> because I would never compare myself to these people, <laughs> but it's in that same vein. So that's going to be a, in a nice sprawling tale that I think people will enjoy. And I also have uh, a thriller, and uh, it's kind of like uh, think Jack Reacher, but you know a little different because it's not Jack Reacher. But it's uh, that type of uh, of a uh, like you know somewhat mystery thriller and uh that that one was actually written i wrote that uh, a year and a half ago and i've just been so busy with uh edits and rewrites you know for word fire and then some other projects that i haven't had a chance to really get it you know uh get back to work on it but uh the first draft on that one's done so that could i could at any time get back on that and bring that out too so i'm a little and, and, and I, I assume you mean Jack Reacher, the novels, not the shitty movies. The, the novels, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie, so I'm not going to talk about it. But uh, yeah, the, uh, the Jack Reacher novels. But yeah, it's, you know, and I, the only reason I say Jack Reacher is because, you know, the, the character, you know, ex-military and then, you know, things happen to him and things like that, you know. But it's obviously, obviously it's not a Jack Reacher novel or, you know, but in that same vein. I would like to know why Tom Cruise keeps insisting on taking on roles that are meant for much taller people. It's his presence. He has a huge presence, and his presence makes up for the height. Oh, he gives presents. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that makes sense. You know, bribery does work. I mean, Jody bribed me with Jelly Babies at Capricorn, so. Anytime. (laughs) And, Jody, you have – so is is there going to be a coffee table book of the photos of the Doctor Who people that you have taken over the years published through Wordfire? Oh, I don't know. I prefer to keep them for special people. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you guys have ever seen these pictures. She has some pretty freaking awesome pictures. I don't think I have. Ah. Once upon a when, I had a boyfriend who was very, very much ahead of his time. He predated podcasts by quite 
quite an incredibly long time. But he had this idea of doing a video magazine in which uh, he would interview people um, from Doctor Who and other, well, other science fiction programs, but we were very much into Doctor Who. And we went as press to a lot of the conventions, talked to the actors, interviewed them on, on videotape. And if he still has these tapes, I think that he should definitely sell them because they're yeah. amazing. Heck yeah. The, the, yeah. Picture, the, the interviews took place as the, the pictures were taken at the 20th Doctor Who anniversary and in the couple of years uh, around there. And, uh, yeah, I have, I have some pretty spectacular ones. I have five of the doctors at the time. Uh, when I was taking the pictures, both um, because they were a few years apart, Peter Davison and Colin Baker were actually the doctor at the time I was taking the photographs, so they were contemporary to the show. And uh, quite a number of the companions. So... Uh, a lot of these lovely people are no longer with us, but I'm very mm-hmm. glad that some of them are. They've, uh, you know, t- time has changed them, but not in any way changed their appeal. And you had you had Pertwee too. I have loads of Pertwee. Uh, he I, he is the one that I probably met more than any other person of of the Doctor Who milieu. Uh, lovely man. Uh, very very funny, and love to entertain. Uh, the, some of the pictures I don't know if you got to he was uh, performing what the what the brits call a cabaret that uh he <laughs> sat up there with a guitar he sang songs he made faces uh he invited nicholas courtney to come up and sing with him who had a really lovely voice by the way <laughs> so as as longtime listeners know yes. and as as josh should know i can be very easily distracted and it's like if you if you say a certain phrase that might be lyrics from a song that I know, suddenly I'm in that song and I'm not really paying attention to what you're talking to me about anymore. And Jody was gracious enough to sit down with John Anilio and I for the Functional Nerds live at, at Capricorn. We, we did a, a recording with her. But then she brings out these photos of Doctor Who <laughs> and shows them to me. And it's just like, oh, my God, I just want to spend the next, you know – Three days sitting here in my room going through all these photographs because they were just so amazing. Anyway, uh, Ramon, your stuff is uh, – the Hunter's Moon is available for pre-order if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it will be, yes. Okay. Jody, your your stuff that's coming back into print, is that already available or is – Quite you have a to lot of it, it is. Okay. Quite a lot of it is. The Mythology series is is back in print. The, uh, the Magic Touch, which is a series uh, – well, actually, it's – it was originally a novel in, uh, that was connected to the series, and the second book came out from a small press called Ark Manor recently. Uh, and Kevin is bringing out the Taylor's Ark books soon. Very so cool. there's there's uh, quite a lot going on there. And you I'm can you can really actually pleased. you can go to Wordfire Press's website, or you can go to Amazon and, and get stuff that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've they've got it everywhere. Uh, Josh, your your Maids of Wrath is also available. This is the the cleaners book too. So this is available for pre order right now as uh, as an yes. ebook. Yes. And, and you said the the physical book is launching at Emerald City Comic Con. Yep. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. And let's see. Is there? I'm kind of running out of time with you guys, so I don't want to. I don't want to keep you too much longer. But I'm curious. Is there? Is there anything that I've forgotten? Anything that you want to tell our listeners about, Ramon? Um, anything that we've forgotten? Uh, where, where are you going to be? Are you doing any upcoming cons? 
Yes, I will be. I'll also be at Emerald City, and I am uh, trying to work something out to where I can be at Kineticon and uh, Salt Lake City Comic Con. I wanted to shoot for Dragon Con, but I think they. I think they're kind of going to be running parallel. So, you know, uh, that's Labor Day weekend. Kind of a bummer, yeah, because I really wanted to do Dragon Con. So, you know, it's going to be one of the other. One or the other with those. So, as of right now, that's uh, that's what my schedule looks well, like. Well, I mean, if if you, it, it just depends on on what you're looking for. If you're looking for uh, a cozy convention with like 350 million of your closest friends all crammed into one room, go to go to Dragon Con. <laughs> oh, you, you're not trying to sell it at all. Right? <laughs> I've been wanting to go for uh, for for quite, for a few years. I mean, I, the last the last year when I saw the booth and I saw everybody, it was amazing. And the, the the funny thing is, I swear it seems like every con that I don't make it to, they end up meeting and hanging out with a, an actor that I really <laughs> admire and have wanted to meet. Okay, gotcha. Like it's 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 insane. So I'm imagining if I go to Dragon Con, then I'm probably going to jinx everybody, and, and no actors are going to show up. Like, <laughs> no, no celebrities, and then they'll all go to Salt Lake City. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah, uh, I you know I I missed out on a uh, a local convention here that had Butcher at it, and oh, yeah. uh, I really wanted to kind of go up to him and and meet him and stalk him and be his fanboy and. Oh, that guy's awesome. Fetch his slippers and you know, whatever else I should do for him. So, yeah. oh, that guy's awesome. He is. I've had him on before, and, and he was very gracious. and He let me fanboy all over him. It's like when I had Vonda McIntyre on. Vonda McIntyre has written all these wonderful novels, and all I wanted to do was talk to her about Star Trek. <laughs> Poor Vonda. But, she again, she was very gracious, you know, and she, she kind of let me do it. She It was one of those things where, you know, once, once she realized that she's talking to the Star Trek fanboy, she just kind of sighed and said, "Okay, let's do this." <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Jody, where uh, any conventions that you're going to be at here? I know that you came home with a little bit of the con cred. Oh uh, yeah, I'm I'm spraying my throat with chloroseptic in between uh, talking to you. Oh no! I too will be at the Emerald City Comic Con. I've I've got a whole boatload of conventions this year. Uh, my website, jodylindai.com, has. Uh, a uh, list of, of conventions, a calendar, so that you can check out where where I'll be when, and of course I'll be at Dragon Con because mm-hmm. uh, I teach a two days writers workshop there. Right, and and plus you want to meet the actor that's going to be there if Ramon isn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell them. You know, Ramon wanted to meet you, but he didn't make it this time. <laughs> the the actually, I have talked to some of the actors in in the what they call the Walk of Fame, and they like to come to Dragon Con because it's a much uh, more relaxed environment than mm-hmm. some conventions they they appear at, and uh, and they enjoy themselves. So so you mentioned the 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 writers workshop that you're going to be doing at Dragon Con. Right. I'm curious about that because of my association with Pikes Peak Writers, and we put on the conference. Mm-hmm. And, and and actually, that's that's where I'll probably next see Kevin J. Anderson because he's one of the, our our keynotes this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what is your workshop about? What, or how does it work? And and is it an extra cost or is it an add on or anything? Or it is it is an add on. Okay. We actually start the day before the convention opens. Ooh, okay, it's Thursday and Friday. I take twenty people at a time, and uh, they they send me a short story or a portion of a novel ahead of time. We uh, I send them out to everyone else. Uh, each person gets a written critique 
individual written critique from my, from me, whether or not they allow the, their particular piece to be workshopped in the class. And uh, it's two days solid, so uh, we get a lot of good uh, talking done. I also have guest speakers come in and uh, give their particular expertise and answer questions. And I'll never say that there are no stupid questions because I have asked some myself over the years. <laughs> but uh, my my publisher, uh, Tony Weiskopf, comes in sometimes. Sometimes she sends her executive editor, Jim Minns. I have uh, fellow writers who have various ex- expertise. I've had Chelsea Quinyarbro. I've had Lynn Abbey. I've had Mike Resnick. And uh, very frequently... Uh, Kevin J. Anderson and Rebecca Mesta come in and they talk to my students, give them a little bit of a, a boost, and uh, give them the benefit of their intelligence and expertise. So it's uh, it's an interesting time. I learn as much as they do. I had David Gerald come in once and give his, uh, what he calls the Seven Dwarfs uh, speech on creating characters, and it was tremendous because I, I went home with a lot of information too. Very cool. Yes. Let's see. Josh, uh, we mentioned The Maids of Rat. That is that is up for pre-order right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, people can get the Forge of Ashes as well out there and enter the janitor. And you're going to send me one of the hardcover, the new hardcover adventure paths, right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you're going to be at Emerald City Comic Con, obviously, to launch your new book. Are you doing any other conventions this year? Are you doing any, like, Paizo-specific ones or anything? Well, there is um, PaizoCon okay. and GenCon in uh, right around July, August. Right. Yep, oh, yep, good. Yep. I'll be at GenCon. Yep. GenCon and PaizoCon. Jody, are you doing the Writer Symposium there? Yes, I am. It's August 4th to 7th. Josh, Ramon, do you guys know about that? Yeah, um, I know about it. Okay. <laughs> Ramon, do you know about that? About uh, which one? Which, so it, which one? It, it, at Gen Con, they actually have a separate writer's yeah. symposium. So if you, oh, if, you, okay. if you go to Gen Con, you can also go to the writer thing and learn how to be a writer. And like you'll see Chuck Wendig was there last year, and he was uh-huh. doing both Gen Con stuff and writer's symposium stuff. Jody, obviously, is going to be there. Um, so it's, it's kind of a cool thing. Yeah, yeah I've, heard, I've heard about Gen Con. I didn't know about that. I... Definitely would like to attend. It just uh, depends on whether or not I can uh, make it out there. Are there are there actor conventions where actors go and learn how to act from other actors? Um, I would say those are probably just workshops. Just workshops. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, there's there's someone. It, it's kind of funny because uh, these these con uh, classes for act for writers and everything are they're really nice because they're affordable. You know, I mean, I don't know. Like it's, it's the fact that you can pay so little money to learn to go to a comic a comic con and learn from you know like Jody Lynn Nye or some of these other you know Kevin and Rebecca and these amazing authors who are pretty much the equivalent of the A list actors in the film industry. You know, whereas in the film industry, I think someone spread a rumor that beginning actors are horribly terribly rich. <laughs> because nothing is affordable. Well, like, have you have you have you seen the have you seen the like the trope in the movies is that the writer always lives in a mansion, and they're living off the the, the royalty checks from their debut novel. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's the, Hollywood has a, a very <laughs> interesting take on reality that 
no yeah, one, that doesn't seem to reflect like I you know I know I'm off subject but <laughs> just last year I was working on uh, I was working on a show and it took place in LA and it took place in the summer and uh, this is up in Vancouver so I go and they're like yeah um, so we want uh, we want uh, some business attire so you're gonna have slacks and you know shirts and ties and we're also gonna have you know a couple light scarves and you know some jackets blah 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 and I'm like hold on guys I'm like uh, we're you, this takes place in LA, right? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, you do realize that this is overdressed for summertime in LA? And you're mm-hmm. like, well, wait, have you been to LA? I'm like, well, you know, I'm not trying to be that guy, but I'm like, I'm I'm from LA. He's like, I've been to LA too, and yes, they dress like that. I'm like, well, yeah, in August. I mean, in uh, in December, <laughs> right? <laughs> like they're not, uh, you know, and, and he, you know, he's like, well, no, this is this is the wardrobe. But I'm like, okay, buddy, you know. And then I get online, and I'm asking my cousin, I'm like. Dude, what's everybody wearing down there? And he's like, "Oh yeah, shorts and t-shirt, flip flops." He's like, "You know, if I if it's an occasion, I might wear pants and a shirt, but yeah, we're not wearing jackets and sweaters and scars in there." So yeah, Hollywood. I know. grew up in Fresno, so no, I, 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 dark, I know. You know. Yeah, <laughs> I remember watching. Uh, do you remember the the Mentalist? Oh yes. Oh yeah. yeah. So the Mentalist was set in California, and it was the California Bureau of Investigation. And I remember they had to go to Fresno for something, and they they quote unquote go to Fresno, and I went, oh yeah, that's Vancouver, because <laughs> Fresno doesn't look like that. <laughs> so yeah it's, yeah, it's it's funny the 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 things that you know, sometimes you can tell it's 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 definitely not California, and then other times they do an amazing job of uh, really green screening it. it yes. Like, well, yeah, yeah. that. <laughs> They green screen, but you'd be surprised. There's some there's some sets that I've been on, and it looks like you just stepped into a completely different environment. It's crazy, like some of the stuff they do, and then also the green screen. But mm-hmm. yep, yeah, it's still Listen, cool. I'm 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 from Chicago, and Hill Street Blues was not filmed here. They <laughs> did the occasional run around with the police cars, and that was kind of about it. But well, well, now, we don't have palm trees. Now Batman, Batman Begins was shot there. Part of it, yes. Okay. Uh, the 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 exteriors of the explosions. In and the 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 what are they called the Narrows and stuff. That was all Chicago. Well, the exteriors, like I said. <laughs> anyway, so we've now digressed. I am I'm ridiculously happy that that Wordfire is is out there selling books, having great authors like you, and and you know showing up at these conventions, doing all the stuff, and I'm just. Like I said, I love that that it's it's a new way to connect people with with books that they're going to want to read. So that's why I kind of wanted to have this podcast, and I'm glad that Josh was able to pull it together for us. Uh, I want to thank you guys for coming on tonight. A- any final thoughts for folks, Jody? Nope. Uh, take take a look at Wordfire's uh, website. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at the amazing range of books that are available mm-hmm. there. Yeah, I would agree with that. Ramon. Uh, same thing. I mean, you know, Wordfire has an amazing catalog, and I'm just um, happy and honored to be uh, in such great company as part of that catalog. Awesome. Josh, how about you? Likewise. Awesome. Check it out. All righty. Yep. Well, thanks, guys, for coming on. I appreciate it. Well, thanks so much. It's a pleasure. Always, always happy to come on. And it was great. It was great, Patrick, to talk to you again. <laughs> yep. Thank you for listening to the Hugo Award winning SF Signal podcast. Your host is Patrick Hester, an author, a blogger, and a functional nerd. His website is www.atfmb.com, which stands for All Things From My Brain. ATFMB is also his Twitter handle and where you can find him on Facebook. 
Our podcast is available for download every week at sfsignal.com or via iTunes. Look for the links to subscribe in the sidebar at sfsignal.com or search SF Signal in iTunes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends and have them tell their friends and their friends and so on and so on. Visit the Hugo Award-winning sfsignal.com for all of your speculative fiction needs. John D. and the SF Signal regulars offer up new content every day, from weekly mind melds featuring your favorite authors, editors, and artists from the SF and F field, to book reviews, original articles and essays, fiction deals, movie reviews, videos, links and roundup posts, and more. Click the RSS button in the sidebar of your browser to ensure you never miss a post. The SF Signal podcast is powered by the Functional Nerds. Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? Angry um, robot. It's like talking to a child. Magic wooey. Thinking and crap. I don't even know what hey. the horseman is. And scene, you bastard.